Do you have a picky eater? Are you wondering how to handle Thanksgiving dinner with relatives that won't understand? Do you need ideas? Well, today I want you to be encouraged and to get ideas from my guest and friend, Christy, who shares her story of continued success in progress with her now 15-year-old boy. Christy is an everyday parent, like you, that is doing her best with a very tricky and challenging situation. So I invited her on this podcast to share with you how it is that she navigated a picky eater and getting him through childhood, some of the successes she's had along the way. So get ready for a real conversation about the stories, the struggles, and the successes. Thank you for being here. You will enjoy this. I expect you will find some action items to implement right away. Does your child have a speech-language delay and you really want them to talk? Do difficult behaviors derail home life and you know the frustration is a communication struggle? Does your child see a speech therapist and you wonder, what do they do and how can I help? If these or similar questions are in your mind, this podcast is for you. Hello, my name is Dina Lynn Rosenbush. I am a speech-language pathologist that has worked with children from birth to 21 for three decades. And in my classrooms, I see you wanting to connect with the heart of your child, but their speech and language skills create a barrier. So if you have a kiddo that has difficult behaviors, needs to expand their language, or learn to say speech sounds, and maybe even receives speech therapy, stay tuned because In this podcast, you will learn how to use your daily life as a tool to communication practice and how to do that practice. You will become confident knowing you are making the difference you want to make. And you will hear success stories of parents who have navigated these struggles already. We'll do this all while focusing on building deep, meaningful connection and confidence in your kiddo. So grab a cup of coffee, along with a notebook and pen. It's time to speak in the way your child's brain understands. And that is the language of play. Hello, language of play listeners. In the show notes, I have a link for something called Play Expo. It is a one-day event featuring over a dozen interactive child-centered programs, workshops, and life hacks for your kids in an easy and fun way. I am publishing this on Monday, and Monday is the day that this begins. So if you still have time, you can go to the show notes and you can click on either a general admission ticket, which is only a dollar. And if you see something that makes you wanna dive deeper, you will also be able to upgrade to the playground pass that gives you access to experts and bonuses and other things that are listed on that pass. So today is the day that Play Expo happens. If you are getting to this episode early enough in the day, um, hop on over there and enjoy that Play Expo. Also, I want to say Happy Thanksgiving to my American listeners. Thanksgiving is my very favorite holiday in the year, and so I am celebrating it all week long. So even though it is Monday, Thanksgiving happens in four days, I'm celebrating already. 
I and my family take particular care to express to one another what it is that we are particularly grateful for. It is a wonderful practice, and I encourage you to do the same and to teach your littles also. Thanksgiving often is a time that we start to think about Christmas and the holiday shopping. So if you are considering getting coaching for your parenting journey, now is a really good time. I will be offering a Black Friday special that is 13 hours of pre-recorded live event teaching that I did. And when you purchase that, you have access to a one-on-one hour-long coaching session with me. This special will be available for 10 days, closing then on December 7th. So hopefully that gives you enough time to think about the details and make your purchase for yourself or for someone special in your life that has been expressing an interest in getting help with their parenting. Now let's get into today's show with Christy and talk about picky eaters and what we can do to encourage our kiddos to broaden their palate but also, how do we parent them in a way that creates the environment that they become willing? All right, let's get started. All right, Christy, thank you so much for joining me today on The Language of Play. I appreciate that you are willing to talk to all of my listeners and with me about the topic of picky eaters. You have a story that you are successfully navigating, and um, at, and I know it takes time. It's not something that's quick. And now we're coming up to Thanksgiving. And we know that many people in our listening audience also have picky eaters. They need to go to people's homes and who knows what they're going to be served and how do you navigate that. And because you and I had this fabulous conversation, I appreciate you coming back to be able to talk with us as an everyday parent that is doing a really good job. So welcome to the language of play. Well, thank you. I'm I'm happy to be here and thanks for those kind words. Absolutely. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so tell me like tell me some backstory. Let's start there with how it is that that your son um kind of got into the picky eater experience and and what happened there and yeah, tell me your backstory, please. Yeah. Okay, so my son is 15. Um, you know, so we've been dealing with this for many years. And in the beginning, you know, when he was a baby and a toddler and all of those, you know, those formative years, I did everything right, right? Like mm-hmm. I followed all of the directions on, you know, introduce him to vegetables, so for the fruit when you were doing baby food and you know, keep them away from sugar, like everything. I mean, I remember getting so upset with my dad the first time um, we had come back. We lived in California and we come back to Minnesota for like an Easter thing. And my dad fed him one of those Swiss cake rolls. And of course, <laughs> you know, his first introduction to sugar, he loved them. You know? of course. And I was like, dad, what are you doing? We're not doing that. And, you know, like all of the fits that I threw, because I was following all of the rules. And Alex was, was eating like quite a bit of, um, different varieties as a, as a young child. And, but at the, at the same time I was in the military and I have struggled with weight my whole life. I, I mean, even when I was the most in shape, as far as the military standards go, I was out of shape. And so I was constantly dieting and eating really bland foods and just like really focused on that. And about the time Alex was two, 
I was like towards the end of my time in the military. I didn't realize it at that time. I was still trying very hard to stay in and to stay in shape. But um, I went through a period of time where I was eating every single day, grilled a plain grilled chicken breast, some green beans or some other kind of steamed vegetable and brown rice. And that was it. Like every day for dinner, that's what we had. And I, at the time I was a single mom. Um, we had gotten a divorce from my, um, from Alex's dad. And so it was just the two of us. And it was just the easiest thing that I could do every day. It was the thing that I was like helping me keep the weight off so that I could stay in. And that's what Alex ate for like a year for dinner every single day. Um, And so then when I finally decided that the military wasn't going to work for me as a single mom and I left the military, moved back home, started introducing Alex to other foods, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. lived with my parents for a little while and they had all of these different foods that Alex had never tried before. He didn't want any of it. All he really wanted was grilled chicken, green beans and brown rice, which isn't incredibly unhealthy, but it's also very not very diverse, right? Right. It's familiar. He wanted that which he knew. And so he was trained, his brain was trained to seek that which is familiar. And so that's something he found to be perfect for him in his two-year-old thinking. Yes. Yeah. And so eventually, you know, my, my parents would make like macaroni and cheese and like, you know, the other like that or like um, processed foods that kids will eventually spaghettios and like all the stuff that's not good for them, but right, but yeah. is and they would they started introducing him to ramen noodles and and so like my dad was a huge ramen noodle fan. He li- made ramen noodles like every day, and Alex started to eat some of that, and I was so disappointed because I'm like, oh, now he's finally expanding a little bit, but it's still not. It's but it's all foods that are not great for him. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, we really struggled with how to expand his eating habits to be more healthy eating habits beyond the grilled chicken, brown rice and green beans. Cause we just couldn't have that every night for the rest of our lives. Right. Right. And you don't want to, you know, you want him to broaden himself to be able to actually enjoy all of the different things that he's got an opportunity to experience in this life. We don't want him to be that limited. And he was putting limits on himself that we didn't, you didn't want for him. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Not just, I mean, nutritionally is one piece of that. And that is super important. I, yes, but there's also this enjoyment factor and growth and development and all of that part of it too, the cognitive growth. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And And there was so much, you know, as he started to get older, there was so much judgment around me from other parents you know, that he wasn't eating these different things. And so what I kept trying to do was focus on the good things. Like Alex has never been a fan of ketchup, which is really just sugar and empty calories. Mm -hmm. You know, he's never been a fan. Like he eats, if he eats peanut butter, it's a plain peanut butter sandwich, you know, so he doesn't put the jelly that has lots of sugar and other stuff in it on, on his stuff. And so I just kept focusing on like the good things and going, okay, well, but he doesn't do this and he doesn't do that. And so that's, that's a success that I can hold on to. And that's a celebration that I'm going to just keep holding on to that. These are things that he doesn't do. So that's how I kind of tried to keep reframing the judgment that I got from other parents. 
That's wonderful. I want to pause right there and talk for a moment about judgment, because one of the unfortunate things that is so true in our culture is that with all of us parents trying to do our best and we get um, advice from every number of sources, and then we pick something that we just like, that's what we're going to focus on. And it doesn't seem to matter what it is. Somebody has a different opinion and they're Mm going to tell you what it is. And then Mm -hmm. we feel shame and judged and like, like, that's so hard. And I want to just say, stop it and encourage (laughs) one another. But that's not what is actually happening. But every parent that I talk to, they experience this judgment from professionals, from friends, from family, from all over the place. And I love that you focus on the good and you found your celebration in that. Do you have Mm -hmm. any other thoughts that were like really helpful to get past this experience of judgment that so many parents are dealing with? Um, no, I don't. (laughs) It's hard. I mean, you're right. It's hard. And, and we judge ourselves too, right? I mean, our worst judge is ourselves usually. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I think the biggest one is just focusing on the positive and seeing what is good and, and knowing that, I I mean, I guess I, anybody that's going through this right now, what I would say is there is hope on the other side. Mm -hmm. We're going to get to that. You're there. Yes. If you just keep focusing on the good and being there to support your child, it will get better. You know, if you start to push and argue and force the things that other people especially are making you feel bad about and try and force your child to do something different. It never, it never works and it never goes well. So just staying true to what you know as a parent and what's right for your kiddo. Amen. I love that. And that is one big, big highlight. Stay true to what it is that you are focused on, what you are trying to do that you know is good and right, because you as a parent, you have your personality, your set of features that you come to this parenting journey with, and your child comes to you, not as a blank page, but with his own personality and interests Mm -hmm. and swings of positive strengths or weaknesses, all the stuff. They come also, and so you are trying, as as every parent is, trying to find where it is that you, where you dance that dance, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. And I love that you're focusing on good and celebrating often. That is super. Okay, so now take that and let's talk about Thanksgiving. Okay. Okay, so you had this picky eater for some years, and mm-hmm. and you go to other people's homes, you go to a wedding, maybe you go to, let's say Thanksgiving dinner. Mm -hmm. Tell me some of the ways that you have handled that. Yeah. Yeah. So eating at other people's houses is, was, was one of the most stressful things in our household, right? Because we knew every single time Alex was not going to like anything that was on anybody's menu. It really didn't seem to matter (laughs) what they were offering there was going, he was not going to like it. Um, I mean, the typical, like we're going to a barbecue and okay, well, we'll put some hot dogs on the grill for the kids. Yep. Nope. Alex didn't like those either. (laughs) So it was so, so hard and was always really stressful. And, and we had some options, right? We could either hide and just not go to anybody else's house for meals, which with my, especially now, so very, 
social husband and I like to be social too. Like that just didn't feel like a good option. Um, we could have him eat ahead of time and go just completely full. And then he just didn't participate in whatever the meal was, or we could try and battle with him and, you know, say you have to eat and you will be polite and you will whatever. And, and Alex is one of the most, um, strong opinionated children I have ever met. And he is not the type of child that was ever going to be forced to do anything. No matter, no matter what, um, you could talk to him and reason with him about safety and things like that. And like, he obviously follows rules, but if it was something that he was set, like, I, I will not eat that. There was no amount of convincing or setting, um, punishments for him that would have made him eat. So that Mm -hmm. battle would have just been disastrous for everybody. So that was kind of ruled out right away. Like that's not going to work for us. And so we, we spent a while trying to navigate and figuring out what to do. We did a lot of having him eat first or bringing our own food for him or something like that. And, and those worked like some of, sometimes those work. Sometimes I would um, like, if we were going to Thanksgiving, I would make sure that I brought a dish that I knew for sure Alex would eat, even if that was just rice, you know, but just something that I knew for sure I could I could offer to be part of the meal that I can ensure that Alex would eat something there. Um, When it was family members where I could say, Hey, you know, I know that we're going to have turkey for dinner or Alex was really good with chicken and turkey. So that was pretty good. But if they were going to have like um, beef or something like that, you know, I would say, do you mind if I bring a chicken breast that I can grill up for Alex or something like that? And hardly anybody ever, had any issues with me bringing something extra as long as I was asking them to change their whole menu plan for him, but to bring something extra was no big deal. And I think as we're getting to be more and more, people are starting to see how, you know, there's vegans, there's vegetarians, you know, there's different dietary restrictions. You've got people who are have celiac, you know, there's all kinds of dietary restrictions. I think our country is and community is starting to realize that people just have different preferences and they don't ask so much when you say, Hey, can I bring this? Right. If you say, Oh, my son won't eat that. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> a little bit, you're opening yourself up to more conversation with them. And so that, you know, for us, we just didn't want to have those conversations. So instead we would say, can I bring these things? So those were some things now that he's a little bit older, And we can talk a little bit more about um, just how much stress he wants to endure with people asking him Mm -hmm. about, well, uh, Alex, why don't you eat that? Alex, whatever. So recently we were at a wedding and there was hardly anything on the menu that Alex would have eaten. And and at a wedding, you're definitely not going to bring food. Right. Right. So we had made sure that he had some, some food before we went, but not like full food. And so we get there and we're getting ready to have the dinner and it was a buffet style. And Alex is like, I'm not hungry. I don't want to eat. And so I turned to him and I just said, Alex, why don't you just go get a plate, put some food on your plate and you can nibble on it. You can whatever, but why don't you get a plate and put some food on it? And he's like, mom, why? And I said, because if you come back here and sit down at this table with your grandmother across from you, your uncle next to you, these random people, they're all going to ask you a million times why you're not eating. 
And they're going to suggest all of the different things that are on the buffet. Oh, well, have you tried this? Have you tried that? So then you're going to get really annoyed and frustrated by them doing that. So just put a plate in front of you. And so he was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I don't want to talk to them about this. So he went, he got a plate and you know what he did. He ate some of it. He nibbled on it because it was in front of him because it was good food. He obviously was a little bit more hungry than he said he was. And it saw like, it just, it allowed him to be part of the meal without people questioning and being worried, you know, that he wasn't being taken care of without any stress for him. So I want to stop you right there for a minute, because that's such good information. And I I want to highlight what I'm seeing that you did remarkably beautifully well. So the first thing is you're not punishing, you're not pushing, but you offered this teenager a choice that he understood. So you knew your child, you knew what his likes were, you knew what he probably wouldn't like, and you gave him a solution and allowed him to choose whether or not he's going to take that solution. Mm-hmm. He chose to take the solution. He knew what probably would come of not taking the solution, but you were willing to let him not take the solution too. Mm-hmm. So then when he did take the solution, which was fill a plate and bring it with him, he knew why he was doing what he was doing. Mm-hmm. At that, all of that part of it, that's like this trust building, that's connection building, that's you're communicating with him from the perspective of, hey, I'm on your team and mm-hmm. here's something that you can do, have at it if you want to. So all of that goodness was just painted and built him up to make him confident and successful. The fact that he nibbled on the food and, and ate the other things, <laughs> that's a bonus and that's right. great. But that, you know, like we could as parents focus on that outcome. And push in his face, you see, you were more hungry than you thought. See, you did want to eat. See, you did like it. But that doesn't build the connection. Mm -hmm. That doesn't build your relationship. He was willing because of how you approached it, which was to give him freedom and to empower him. And he knew you were on his team, helping him get what he wanted. And then he becomes open. Right. It was fabulous. So kudos to you. It's not easy to do. But I'm glad that you said that because that's something that our families with picky eaters can take even to Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. They can tell their kiddos, let's just put some on your plate. You don't have to eat it. Right. Let's just look at it. Move it around with the fork. You know, maybe the kid is smaller and Mm -hmm. maybe they'll lick their fork and, and try a little bit just that way. But don't have the goal being try it. Maybe the goal is being willing. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I love that you have highlighted because that, I think that that is a, a foundational piece. Yeah. So, yeah. great. Thanks. Yeah. So yeah. now at this age, how much has he expanded as a 15-year-old? Oh, a lot, a lot. And and so over the years, a couple things have helped us do that. Um, you know, a couple ways that we've helped him um, want to try new foods. Breakfast has always been a really hard thing in our house. You know, really, there's just not a lot of stuff that he likes for breakfast. And, and as we were getting ready for schools in the mornings, you know, he would, he would eat cereal, but that wouldn't fill him up, you know, and he would be hungry by lunchtime. And, you know, then he couldn't focus on school and he'd be really stressed. And, 
And so he started to identify like, my breakfast is not filling me up. I need some other options. And so we talked a lot about protein and how protein could hold him over. And, you know, and he identified because I'm hungry, I'm getting yelled at by my teacher because I'm not behaving. I'm not focusing. So he started identifying and seeing himself that his self-awareness is really growing. (laughs) That's so good. (laughs) Yeah. And, and so like, uh, and part of that came from like, he would explain what happened at school today. And I would ask him very strategic questions that helped him identify, oh yeah, I wasn't, I was hungry, you know, versus me saying, well, you probably acted like that because you're hungry, you know, like giving him the solution. It's so hard sometimes, right? When you are a parent and you know why your child is acting a certain way, but to help them figure out it. I I want to highlight that too. So we stop for just a moment. (laughs) You're not telling your kiddos, the answers all the time. Right. When we do, they don't necessarily learn it because you, when you walk your children to the answers. So I suppose you have been doing this since he's, I don't know, nine, 10, eight, something, you know, you've probably been, yeah, I see you nodding. My listeners can't see you nodding. You are (laughs) nodding. And you've been doing this for some years to help Mm -hmm. walk him like, like almost lay out what the answer is in wait of him to see it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I am not a patient person. So (laughs) it takes sometimes like, geez, how many times do I have to lay it out in front of you before you get it? But he gets there. Yeah. So, so in this situation, you know, breakfast was the thing. And I, and so we talked about how protein can be really filling and an easy thing would be eggs, but Alex was really, really resistant to eggs. And so I don't remember who it was, but somebody came up with an idea that we make trying eggs and trying different egg dishes a game. And so what we did is we got his his best friend to come over and do an egg cook-off with us. So my husband, Levi, and I battled against each other and we made like five or six different egg dishes. And then Alex and his friend, Leo, um, judged us. And so it was a competition. And so Alex was willing to try all of the egg dishes because it was fun. It was this game. It was this competition. It was, you know, who was going to win mom or dad. And we just like, so we did this, we did the the great egg off of, I think 2019 <laughs> or something like that. And I won by the way, even okay. though my husband's a way better cook than me, but. So, okay. So in 2019, that's um, four years ago. So he'd have been 11 when you did this. Yes. Okay. Yep. It, it might've been 2018. It was 2018 or 2019, somewhere around there. So 10 or 11 years old. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so he discovered that he really likes eggs, like scrambled eggs with cheese and a little bit of ham in it or sausage, one or the other, but the, the cheese and the meat in it. And so then for a long time, that's what he would have for breakfast before he'd go to school was scrambled eggs and cheese. And I was so happy because I had struggled for so long to find a breakfast that was filling and more nutritious for him mm-hmm. and eggs. I knew eggs would be a good solution and he just didn't want to try it. And then we made it into a game and, and now it everything. Works. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So as things like that happened, um, you know, he started to open his mind up a little bit more but a, a good place and an area that has really grown a lot in has been his friends. When his friends talk about something that they really like, 
then all of a sudden this thing that mom and dad have been talking about for ages is now cool. (laughs) I'm glad you were validated by the friends. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So sending him over to friends' houses and not telling the parents or, or sending him with a can of SpaghettiOs just in case not my favorite option, but something that I would do just because I didn't want him to not eat at all, but sending him over to a friend's house and letting him eat at their house, all of a sudden, you know, he was more willing to try things at other people's houses than he was at home. And so there was a little bit of that peer pressure and just trying to be polite and, and all of those things that he would do that. And so then he'd come home and he'd be like, Hey, I tried a peach today. <laughs> it was really good or whatever random thing. And like, Really? Okay. <laughs> we have peaches <laughs> in the house all the time, Alex. <laughs> well, now they have become good. You know, that it's kind of like that with a lot of things in our kids' lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And and as a teenager, it's really, really opened up a lot because now he's also focused on like his overall, <laughs> it's a little bit of a vanity thing. Um which I think a lot of parents see, you know, they struggle with their kids in other areas, like not taking showers or not whatever, and, and not wanting to wear clean clothes. And then they get into those teenage years and they get interested in somebody and all of a sudden they care about how other people perceive them because they want to be liked by that love interest. And so Alex wants to grow his muscles. And so he's been doing his own research on what kind of nutrition he needs to, to be stronger and to be able to lift more and stuff. And so now he's been asking us, Hey, can we get more of, you know, this lean protein or that lean protein, or can we, whatever, can you make this for dinner? And has been making a lot more requests of us and real willing to try a lot more things because he's now focused on his own health. That is so good. The positive peer pressure. If we could align it the way we want to (laughs) in the moments we want to, doesn't always work like that, but there is a kind of peer pressure that is really helpful. And you're giving a good example of that. And it sounds Mm -hmm. like he's got friends that have good varieties of eating and yeah, that's super. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I know like you're right, we can't control peer pressure, but I do think that because we modeled Um, eating healthy in our household and having conversations about what the different types of choices we make and how that has affected me and my husband's weight and our health and and not in in a judgmental way, but just in a, like, these are the things that we're trying to do. It opened up that conversation for him and, and let him know that it was okay to come and ask us questions and to be talking about that stuff. So I do think that obviously the peer pressure had some um, impact there, but I think the environment that we created in the house allowed that positive peer pressure to actually take hold and do something with it. I would agree. If we were to leave, like you've given lots of really good nuggets of information here, Christy, and I appreciate it. And I know that our listeners that have picky eaters are feeling really encouraged that they're toddler, preschooler, young child has hope for gaining a a wider palate. And you've given some good strategies. Uh, One was focus on the good. And then you gave some ideas about how to deal with host families, which is offer to bring something extra to the dinner. And that might be something our listeners do here over Thanksgiving. 
And then you also talked about how you communicated with your child, Alex, um, to give him choice, to give him power so that he was free. You've created this environment where he can then say, I want to try something new. He doesn't have to hold his pride in that I said no about that. He is free at all times to add more, to try more, because you've given the environment that is inclusive and open. I love that. And he is expanding. So mm-hmm. there's my summary of what you have said, and I think it's really, really helpful. Is there anything that you would like to highlight in closing for the listeners to say, this carries the biggest punch, do mm-hmm. this, or or a combination, whatever you think? Yeah, if I could only get one piece of advice to a parent of a picky child, it would be to to just be patient and just keep modeling those good behaviors, keep giving them options to try different foods, but don't force anything on them. All you're going to do by forcing different things on them is create this dynamic with food and with you that is a negative experience. And the lasting effects of trying to force them to try something is is not, you know, is, is not worth the small victories that you might get once in a while stay in in it for the long haul and just be patient and keep modeling those good behaviors and the and the good things that you are doing in your own life and your child will pick up on it and they will see it and they will they'll grow and they'll expand you have done a fabulous job in this very difficult area so thank you Kudos to you. Thank you again for being willing to share your experience with the Language of Play community and listeners. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This is great. Oh, it's my joy. Remember, moms and dads, when you get behind the eyes of a child, you can speak in ways their brains understand. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you feel hopeful and want to hear more, please share this podcast with other parents that might want the same. I would be so appreciative if you would rate and review. You can also connect with me at hello at thelanguageofplay.com. At